Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back. It is your... Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It is Ian Mendes, Sean McAdoo with you, as always, for Thursday uh, episode of the pod coming up. Uh, Jesse Granger is going to join us for Granger Things. We'll have some fun because uh, we actually dropped the fun little expansion story uh, today, kind of from the, the mad scientist kitchen of Down Goes Brown. So we'll have some fun. Uh, we'll have some fun with that. We're going to talk about Matthew Kachuk now. Looks like he's got one foot and possibly two out the door in Calgary. Uh, man, oh man, what a what a crazy summer in Calgary. We'll talk about uh, what the impact there. We got so many mailbag questions here. Wide range of things about, uh, you know, brother combos in the NHL and, and free agency stuff. Offer sheeting Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, where does Johnny Goudreau's signing land on the splash meter All that stuff. Little this week in hockey history involves Garth Snow, Wayne Gretzky. So we got a lot to get to. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Sean, like I, what, what's happening in Calgary to me is one of the most fascinating stories that like, I always figured Calgary's window to com- compete and contend was, you know, it was going to be short. I didn't realize it was this short. Like, like Sean, they're going to go from, you know, legitimate Stanley cup contenders in 2022 to potentially being a, are we talking about like a lottery team here in 2023? Like what a turn of events in Calgary. Yeah, it's it's it is, and it's going to be very difficult to figure out what to expect from this Flames team because you know they were not very good in the uh, the COVID season when they were. I mean, they missed the playoffs in that Canadian division that we all agreed was was weak, and they kind of came. I wouldn't say they came out of nowhere last year, but I don't think any of us had them as a 110 point team or whatever they ended up being. 
uh, it all clicks. They have the great season, and now they've already lost you know one of their best players, and will be losing another. We don't know what they'll be getting back there yet. We don't know if it's going to be a package around futures or if if they'll opt to get guys who help right away or if it's going to be some mix. But it's going to be fascinating to see where people end up putting them. I, I want to see, uh, you know, I want to see Dom run this team through his model and and yeah. uh, project what they come out as. I I mean, one thing that has happened in the analytics era has been in all sports, we have found that the impact of one individual player is usually not as big as you think it is. So if you're looking at this team saying, well, you take a draw, you can't go Kachuk, you know, they're, they're a 70 point team. I don't think so. Um, but they've still got a very good goaltender. They've still got some good pieces. Um, and, and they will presumably be getting at least something in return for, for Matthew Kachuk that helps them, uh, in the short term. Is that enough to make the playoffs in the Pacific? Yeah, it, it absolutely could still be. And in fact, this team could be, it, there's, there's nothing better in sports than a nobody believes in a chip on their shoulder type team. And maybe this ends up being where this goes. But it's it, this is a devastating one-two punch for for Flames fans and uh it's uh it, there's I don't think there's any way to spin this as anything other than a negative. It's just a question of how devastating a negative is it going to end up being. So a lot of this, you know, is is it, like it, it's just mind blowing to Calgary fans to think that they would lose both of them in the same offseason. I think a lot of people a couple of weeks ago started to wrap their heads. Okay, you know what? We're getting into July. Goudreau hasn't signed. He's probably he's probably out. To lose Kachuk, I just don't think anyone fathomed that happening like this back to back. What I want to do with you is talk just to maybe give Flames fans a little bit of context and give our listeners a little bit of context. Like, have we ever seen a team? lose two players of this magnitude in such a short window of time. And I, listen, I cover the Ottawa Senators, and I have watched them say, you know, goodbye to Carlson and Stone and Duchesne mm. and Pajot, but there was always like, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever in between yep. those. Um, have Like, help me out here. When's the Have we ever seen a team lose two players of this magnitude in the same offseason or in such a short uh, window of time? So I'll, I'll give you the two scenarios that jump to mind for me, and and they're not they're not direct comparisons to what just happened to Flames fans, but the the, the two obvious ones are uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets a few years ago, ironically, uh, when they loaded up um, had had Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky both ready for uh, about to hit free agency chose not to move either guy and in fact loaded up by going out and getting Matt Duchesne as well and then lost all three of those guys in free agency. Um, A a devastating reset and yet maybe not that devastating because I I think everybody understood that those guys were going to go. You know, Duchesne was a rental. Um, Everybody already figured Panarin was going to wind up in probably in New York. Uh, Bobrovsky, you know, the Blue Jackets certainly weren't going to be giving him a $10 million deal. Uh, so, you know, I feel like that was one where Blue Jackets fans sort of should have been prepared for what was coming and, and probably were. And at least that that was also the year, remember, they they went up against the impossible to beat Juggernaut Lightning and beat swept them in the first round. So you had that. You could at least, you know, pin that and say, hey, we kept the band together for one swing and we knocked out the best team in the league with that swing. That was pretty cool. 
uh, and then it was a reset from there. Uh, the other one that's maybe a little bit more comparable to to what's happening in the Flames right now would be the Buffalo Sabers in 2007 when they were coming off uh, a back-to-back trips to the conference final. We're a very good team, uh, you know, a Stanley Cup. I, I would say not even a Stanley Cup contender, a Stanley Cup favorite. And they lose their their two best players, their two captains, Danny Breer and Chris Drury, both to free agency on the same day, I, I believe. Um, Drury goes to the Rangers um, and uh, Breer goes to the Flyers. And that one, again, not out of nowhere, because this is, this is back when even in the cap world, the Sabres were a team that was not a high spending team back then. Um, so I think there was an expectation that they would lose at least one of those guys. And there was a good chance both, but still to see it happen, to see both of them go to you know, teams in the conference. I, I think they had actually beaten the Rangers in the, in the playoffs that year. Um, that was a real tough one. And uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's also a terrible one to hold up to Flames fans because I mean, you could argue that the Sabres never recovered from that and we're 15 years later and they're still, um, you know, they're, they're still trying to get back to the level they were at before. Um, but that's the other one that jumps to mind as far as two legitimate superstars uh, both leaving at the same time. Man, and you know, you look back like the Sabres, like you're right, they went to the conference final in 06 and lost to Carolina, went to conference final in 07, lost to Ottawa. They lose Briere, they lose Drury. And then they don't make the playoffs for a couple of years. In fact, you could make that argument that that is they, that they've never really recovered from that. Like they made the playoffs right. a couple of times. There, I think 2010, 2011, they made the playoffs. They, they were they, one and done. They haven't won a round since. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, and of course, you know, 2011 comes on. That's when Terry Pagula comes in and says, "I'm going to spend money." And they go and they they sign uh, some awful free agents, and then you know, ten years later, haven't even been back to the playoffs. And and the thing is, man, like. That Sabres team, it's a long time ago, but that team was so good. I mean, that team, you, uh, you could absolutely argue that they should have beaten the, the Carolina Hurricanes in the conference final in 2006. They should have been the team going up against the Oilers because they had all their defensemen were hurt and they got screwed by the stupid puck over glass puck over penalty glass. in game seven. Yeah. Uh, you could absolutely argue they should have won that series. They should have been in the Stanley Cup final eight, and they should have been the team that that would have gone head to head with the Oilers and you know, quite possibly beaten them. They, they would have been the favorites in that matchup. Real good team, real likable team, and and uh, and then it all falls apart. And and it was that was so frustrating because you know when when we first got the salary cap, we lose the whole season. Two thousand six rolls around, and nobody knows what to expect. And then like you know, for example, the Oilers go out and trade for Chris Pronger. Wait a second, the Edmonton Oilers, who have been a minor league. Uh, farm club for everyone else for the last decade yeah. trading for superstars. Oh, this is great. Like this is, we have really reset the playing field and these smaller teams, you know, Ottawa's good, you know, finally is, uh, you know, really showing that all of these small market teams are succeeding. And then Buffalo goes and loses their two key guys to free agency. And it was like, oh man, some things never changed. That, that was probably the most painful off season I can remember. And, and again, you kind of knew it was coming as a Sabres fan, but, you never really know what's happening. You know, much like the Flames with Johnny Gaudreau, you never really know what's happening until you see that that news come across the wire. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned because in that window, remember the first year that the NHL came back, 05-06, like the, the salary cap number, it seems absurd now, but it was $39 million, right? Like the, the, mm-hmm. the ceiling. Yep. And 
the uh, the great irony is the Ottawa Senators were one of the first teams to get really pinched by the cap. Like, yep. like the, you know, they, they had a great collection of players and Zdeno Chara had to leave and, you know, they, they had to make some tough decisions and they, they were one of the first teams. But you're right, Buffalo and Ottawa, who had a great rivalry. They met in 05, oh, sorry, 06 and 07 in the playoffs. You felt like this was going to be, like the path to the Eastern Conference was going to go through Buffalo or Ottawa yep. for years to come. And really, since 07, both of those teams, I mean, Ottawa's had a little bit of success, you know, and they've won some playoff mm-hmm. rounds, but boy, oh boy, like, I feel for and Buffalo again, fans. We, yeah. We thought it. We thought this was the new NHL, right? Because both of those teams had gone bankrupt a few years prior. I mean, the Senators famously had missed paychecks to their to their players. Yeah. Uh, these were teams that were on death's door, uh, as, as we were told. And now they're in the conference final. They got exciting teams, and, you know, it's a great series. Uh, and it just, it, it, the Sabres were not able to hold it together and, uh, it, it, you know, frustrating. And, and look, even you could argue that, that both of those signings, Pereira and Drury didn't work out for the teams that made them, that the Rangers overpaid for, for Chris Drury, that the Flyers overpaid for Danny Briere. Uh, you know, I, I know Flyers fans especially would push back on that. They, you know, he, he played well for them for a few years there. Obviously Chris Drury is a GM and in, in New York now, but Boy, it was uh, it, it was pretty devastating for that Sabres team. And remember, this is the Ryan Miller team. Like they've got the pieces in place to 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 be good for a long time, and just couldn't do it. And then you know that was the same day Scotty Gomez signs with with the Rangers as well. Goes from from the Devils, the arch rival, uh, jumps over to the Rangers. Uh, very strange day, and and everyone just kind of rolls their eyes and goes, "Here we go again." It's the Rangers buying up all the players from the small market teams. Yeah, it's funny. you know, Briere was so good for Philly in the playoffs, especially 2010, right? Like, he was money. Um, mm-hmm. We, we got to go back and talk about how how tough it would have been to be a Sabres fan to watch the 2010 playoffs because not only do you see Danny Briere, uh, you know, doing that for Philly, uh, Villy Leno has his coming out party. Little do you know that this is about to come back and bite you, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Villy Leno's coming out party was that 2010 playoffs, and then a couple years later he signs the – the splashy deal in uh, in Buffalo, and then it's just kind of never really heard from yep. again, right? Yep. Yeah. No, no, it was just. Uh, I mean, nobody nobody's had a worse decade ever than the Sabers have just gone through. I mean, they're, they're, we've never seen an NHL team go this long without making the playoffs, and this is you. You can trace it right back to that that one day or those couple of days in July two thousand seven. So, sorry, Flames fans, I we've we've just probably made a, a bad yeah. situation feel a lot worse for you. Well. If you're Calgary, though, I mean, is there anything you can do to sort of mitigate this? Like, like, look, Nazem Kad- as we record this here on on Thursday morning, Nazem Kadri's still on the market. And I look, listen now, if you're Nazem, you did turn down, if I'm not mistaken, a trade to Calgary years ago. That maybe that gives you some, you know, sheds a little light on his thoughts on Calgary. But you know, maybe if I'm Kadri, I don't go to Calgary because I don't know where they're going. And if I'm Calgary, maybe I don't sign Kadri because I don't like. Is there a fit like what, if you're Calgary? What, like, is there anything you can do to satiate the fan base, or do you hope that you hit a little bit of a home run on the Kachuk return, and that's mm-hmm. you know that's that's enough to to kind of move the needle? I think that's what you've got to do. I mean, there there are it's unusual that there are two big free agents still out there, Kadri and, and Klingberg. That it's it's quite rare for them to be around guys of that level to be around this late. And you really wonder what's happening behind the scenes there, that, that those guys are still out there. I don't know if you're the Flames that, I mean, you certainly can't panic here 
and make a, a big commitment to somebody that is going to potentially uh, that you're going to regret. I think step one is maximize the return on on Matthew Kachuk. I think that's that's the obvious one. If, if you can hit a home run on that, uh, and their hands will be tied to some extent, but uh, you know, much like the Jack Eichel situation, you know, as long as they can get a few teams in the bidding. Get a nice package there. And then the other piece that, that you wonder about is, okay, when they make this trade, how much of it is going to be guys that are going to help right away? And how much of it is going to be futures? How much of it's going to be picks and prospects? Um, and then, assuming that at least some of the return is picks and prospects, do you hold on to those guys or do you turn around and flip them for more help right away? I mean, you could, there is probably a way to do this that, you know, you could you get a good player and some picks and prospects for Matthew Kachuk. So you get a good player who slots in the lineup right now, and then you flip some of those picks and you get more good player. And now suddenly you'd say, Hey, we turned one great player into two or three good players. At least, um, you know, we, we, we don't have the star power, but we've got at least as much depth. We've, you know, we've still got a good team that again, in this specific division. Yeah. We can contend for, for, uh, for a playoff spot in this division. Um, I think that can be done. And, and that is the one benefit, unlike what we just described with Columbus, with Buffalo, where, where it's free agents walking. It's a trade situation here. You're going to get something. You're not going to be left with, with nothing at all. Um, but it's, it's really up to them. I, I'm, I'm curious to see because, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a strong argument that you, you start over here. You take this as a hint that, you know, Gaudreau and Kachuk are both gone. Let's hit reset. Let's get let's get a first round pick let's get uh some prospects let's get future assets and we reload but then you look at this organization you got brad true living's been there forever he's is he really going to be able to sell a big long uh you know rebuild and you got daryl sutter as the coach that that's not a coach that you have for a patient three to five year rebuild process that's a guy you bring in when it's time to win and he's done it he's he's won with this team so I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do. I, I I think they're probably still trying to win right now. And if that's the case, then that's going to, um, that's going to impact what it is that you're asking for, for Matthew Kuchuk. And then you see if you can go out and get it. They need their, you know, Calgary needs their kind of new and dyke for a Ginla deal here, right? Like the, we trade a superstar, but we're going to get someone back that we can sell to the fan yeah. base and be the foundation. But do you wait? You know how how long are you willing to wait for for that Aginla to be to be ready? I mean that is the that is the yeah. tough thing. I and mean, what like, you really need, and and this is, I mean, I'm I'm it's it's I'm not trying to get Flames fans' hopes up, but what you really need is like the your Forsberg for Lindros here, where I mean, even there, a Forsberg didn't come over for for a year or two, but at least you know as soon as he did, you had a star. You know, it wasn't. Uh, you didn't have to sit around patiently. Wait, you had a guy, a new franchise player that you were able to get. Uh, you know, it, it it can be done. We've we have seen situations in the past where teams have traded away star players, and and what they got back was was more than enough to, uh, um, you know, to 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 build around. But it is tough. Most of the time, you're trading a dollar for three quarters. That's that's usually how this works out. Are you, like, if you had to guess here, and I'm not talking about this year, but starting next season, because look, Matthew Kachuk has one more year left on his deal, and then he's potentially a free agent, uh, unrestricted free agent. If you had to guess, 
Does Matthew Kachuk end up in in St. Louis in some way, shape, or form when next season starts? So not this season coming up, but the following mm-hmm. season, is Matthew Kachuk a member of the St. Louis Blues? I, I think that's certainly the most likely scenario. But I'll say this. Whoever he gets traded to is is who he's playing for on opening night 2023. Like, I, I think the... The odds of of him being, I, I just don't see a scenario where he gets traded somewhere, plays there for a year, and then leaves. Um, and in fact, I think that it, because any team that's only going to have him for a year is not going to pay the price that the Flames are looking for. So the the two scenarios are he gets traded somewhere where he signs a long term deal, probably St. Louis. Although fingers crossed, if you're a Flames fan, the list is longer than that. I mean, that, that's the nightmare scenario. So Matthew Kachuk comes in and says, oh, by the way, I will not sign with any team other than the Blues. Or gives you one team, whatever that one team is, and says, that's the only team I'm signing for. Because then you're screwed. Now there's no bidding war. Now you've got no leverage. Um, now you're really in trouble. You know, if, if it's even two or three or four teams, now you can get some, some, uh, some pushback between those teams and the bidding. Um, I think he he gets traded. He signs a long term deal there. St. Louis, the most likely destination. Or if there's just nothing there, I mean, is there a scenario where the Flames you just bring him back and say, you know what, one year of uh, this dynamic star player in his prime is worth more to us than the handful of magic beans that were being offered somewhere else, and so and so you you run it back for one more year with them. I mean that that would be a really hard sell. Certainly to, to Flames fans, but it is an option, I suppose. Well, like I think, look, they, they just watched that play out with Johnny Goudreau, right? Where Like last year at this time, they couldn't get something done with Goudreau, and they figured, okay, we got one year left. We'll try to convince him, and mm-hmm. it didn't work out. Um, I wonder, like, if you're a Flames fan, are you, and happy is not the right term, but are, are you at least thankful that Kachuk has expressed the fact that, He's not going to sign here long-term. Allows you to move him this year versus last year, you know, with Goudreau, it didn't seem like there was that indication, right? Like, there was certainly, uh, ah, you know, maybe I'll sign, maybe I won't sign. And then you were left holding the bag at the end of the year. You didn't get anything for him. Is there something to be said? And maybe we'll we'll see this in the reaction from the crowd when these guys come back for the first time. Like, I wonder Mm. who's more vilified in the minds of Flames fans. The guy who went right to free agency and didn't give you a chance to get anything in return, or the guy who said a year out, "I'm not signing here, and I'm out of here." Like I'm curious I, I, how flames. I think it's going to be Kachuk who takes it takes it worse because the perception will be that he wanted out, as opposed to, you know, Johnny Gaudreau. Obviously, there was there were a lot of bad feelings and with Flames fans uh, in that scenario as well. I think the fact that he, you know, sort of came out and explained himself a little bit better yesterday with that Players Tribune thing um, that somebody wrote for him, where he talked about <laughs> his family and you know, and, and you know, being around, missing his grandfather's funeral and stuff like that, where I think that humanized it to the point where people maybe understand better. I'm not saying he won't get booed. Um, the other thing with Gaudreau, it's 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 not like a John Tavares situation where that team, that Islanders team that he left was not a very good team. So they could have traded him at any point, even during the season. He could have gone at the deadline. They could have got something for him. Yep. And Islander fans will tell you that they got they got bait and switch by John Tavares. That he said, no, no, don't trade me. I'm going to stick around. And then he didn't. Um, the Flames weren't going to trade Johnny Gaudreau. Once that season started and they were as good as they were, 
um, and they were the favorites in the Pacific. They they weren't going to trade the guy anyway. So it's it's not like he he cost them the opportunity to do that. And you know the way with Matthew Kachuk, the perception is going to be this is him saying I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be in Calgary. It's not that I want to be closer to home. It's not that I want to be this or that. I just don't want to be here. Um, and I I think he's gonna he's gonna take it harder. Plus the fact that let look let, let's be honest. If you're looking for a villain, Matthew Kachuk is a far better <laughs> villain. Like he's right out of central casting. I, I mean, oh this my is God. Rat, the only good news you. for the Flames. Yeah. The only good news for the Flames is you are now going to, Flames fans, you're now going to get to enjoy the experience of hating Matthew Kachuk, which the, the other 31 fan bases have, have already been, had a chance to do. And it's fun. You know, I don't know. How, how do you hate Johnny Gaudreau? Like he's, he seems like a tough player to, to really fully turn on. Whereas Matthew Kachuk, he'll, uh, uh, I don't think it's going to take very long before he'll be he'll be the full uh, the full he- full heel mode for Flames fans. You know, I I think it's interesting too. I've seen this narrative floated out there that look, Johnny Gaudreau's American. He wants out. Uh, Matt Kachuk is American. He wants out. American guys don't want to play in Canada anymore. COVID was. I part don't of the like where this is that. going. As no, a Maple but, Leafs fan, I want no, to no, opt I, out of the rest of this no, conversation no, I, right I, now. I, I want to give you a little bit of a hope here because. Okay. I think, you know, it's very easy for people to say, look, these guys, they, they don't want the... And I think in the case of Goudreau, and, and I'm sure with Kachuk, a lot of guys felt like logistically the last two years have been hard, right? Like if you have family in another country to yes. try to bring them over and that... So I, I completely understand that. But I look at Ottawa, for example. I see Brady Kachuk just re-upped long-term. Uh, Josh Norris re-upped long-term. These are American guys... Um, this is these are deals signed in and around COVID. Like I want to just kind of put a, a little bit of that narrative to bed because look, if if Brady Kachuk didn't sign here and Josh Norris didn't sign here, I would I would say you know what we might have something here. Like there might be a legitimate story that American players don't want to play in Canada post COVID. Like, but mm-hmm. I think that that narrative is somewhat you know parallel. I I just don't know how much stock to put into it because. Okay, yeah, Kachuk and Goudreau wanted out of Calgary, but Norris and Kachuk just signed in Ottawa, right? And that and that yep. that does bring me to, to Austin Matthews. And I I don't know, I just feel like the idea that the yeah, Americans don't want to play here, I I would point to the situation in Ottawa and say, not so fast. That's all. Yeah. Well, we're we're gonna find out with Austin Matthews a, a year from now, because that's gonna be the big story of next offseason. Um which which is which is great. I think we can all agree that the the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't front and center enough when we talk about uh, NHL storyline. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be nice to have them there. Um, yeah, we we will see. I mean, the the one thing with Austin Matthews, I, I've I've heard for years people going, oh, he's going to go back to Arizona. I really have a hard time. You know, Austin Matthews is one of the few NHL players who seems to like the spotlight, seems to embrace it. He seems to like being, you know. Uh, doing the fashion shoots and the hanging out with Justin Bieber and all of that stuff. Um, I have a hard time thinking that he's going to say, I want to go play in front of 3000 fans a night in, in Arizona for a few years. Um, but would he want to go to a bigger U S market? Uh, I guess, I guess we will see. And by the way, I, I absolutely reserve the right to change all my opinions about players yeah. hitting free agency and all of that. I will you know, you check back in a year and I'll be on here. This turncoat, this Benedict Arnold has betrayed the, the Canadian fans. And you'll be like, where was all this for Johnny Gaudreau? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll- I'm just picturing Austin Matthews, social media posts, sleeping in a uh, 
coyotes bedspread and you know whatever but and and uh the old michael scott oh how the turntables have uh, you know yeah um, uh but you know you know what? i feel like islander I, fans would would raise a goal oh my gosh. to like help you help some other team yeah. sign austin yeah. matthews away from the leafs yep 100 percent. the one thing i'll say though on on matthews is I could see him wanting to go back and play at Arizona at some point. Not unlike Claude Giroux came to Ottawa, but like kind of at the end, like at the end when it was, you know what, maybe it felt like it was trending in the right direction. Arizona is not trending in the right direction right now. I just, I don't see no. it. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I don't think the appeal of playing at home would be so great that you would take the prime years of your life. At, I think Austin Matthews to Arizona makes sense when he's 34. Yeah. And, and look, that, there, there are I mean. NHL players where, you know, we, we joke about 3,000 fans. In Arizona. There's there's some NHL players who would absolutely love that. Like, wait a second. You mean I go, I make NHL money. I get to go live somewhere where it's warm. I'll live on a golf course. Yeah. And no one's going to care. No one's going to recognize me. I got no media to deal with. Sign me up. That's yeah, absolutely what I, I mean. This is the, it's the Phil Kessel experience. You know, he seems to love it down there. Uh, I just don't think Austin Matthews is is that guy. Uh, but we'll see. You never know. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Uh, time for us to bring in our pal Jesse Granger, a little segment we like to call Granger Things, brought to you by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner with us at The Athletic. And you know what? The three of us, Jesse Granger, Ian Medley, Sean McAdoo, uh, we actually collabed on a little piece uh, uh, with The Athletic that uh, that dropped earlier today. And I think I said this in the intro. It's like from the, the mad scientist kitchen of Down Goes Brown. And anytime, uh, Jesse, I don't know about you, uh, but when, you know, you get, you know, Sean reaches out and says, I got a, a quirky, fun idea. I'm like, I'm in. Like, I don't even, I don't even need to read the, the, the pitch. I'm like, I'm in. Um, this was, uh, this was a fun one for us, wasn't it? Yes. 100%. Agree with that. You're in on any crazy idea Sean has. And it's something I've thought about for a while, not in terms of putting them together this way, but just in terms of those expansion drafts were fun, but they weren't like actually drafts. And I did wonder, I remember when the Golden Knights made their picks way back in 2017, thinking like if they had to prioritize this list, like I wonder what mm-hmm. order it would have gone in. Right. And hey, listen, this is the perfect point for Sean to kind of just jump in, take a, a couple of minutes and just you know, explain the idea, the premise of this, uh, this mock draft and, and you know, how it, uh, how it kind of came into your mind. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, this is something, this has been, this has bothered me for, for years, uh, even going back before Vegas. Cause you know, this was the case with, uh, 
Atlanta and Nashville as well, is that the NHL tells us it's an expansion draft. No, it's not. If there's only one team, it's not a draft. A draft, by definition, is two or more teams taking turns selecting eligible players. That's what the entry draft is. That's what expansion drafts are and any other types of drafts that have ever uh, existed and waiver drafts and all that sort of stuff. There's got to be more than one team. If it's only one team, it's not a draft. It's just a team handing in a list. And that's what we got with Vegas. That's what we got with Seattle. It was just them saying, here's our list. And the NHL going, okay, that's your team. And so I thought, what if there actually was a draft? What if we had Seattle versus Vegas and we take the eligible players list from 2017 and 2021 and we mix them all together and that's your draft pool. And you guys have full benefit of hindsight. So you're very, very smart. You will know which 2017 players five years later have turned into stars and which ones haven't. Um, We give you a salary cap. We give you position limits and all of that. And we do what we did, for example, with Columbus and Minnesota or with Ottawa, Tampa, Anaheim, Florida, head to head, two teams actually going back and forth and drafting. And so that's that's what we ended up doing. I was very curious to see where you guys would go. I was curious to see if what big names, big salaries might get taken that, that weren't taken before, and then how the final result would compare to uh, what Vegas wound up with and what Seattle wound up with. And the uh, it, it was a lot of fun. The results were interesting, and it was, you know, it, you guys talk about my ideas. This was my favorite type of idea, which is when I come up with an idea and I go to other yeah. people and say, <laughs> here's my idea, you guys do the work. And you did. And that's, yeah. uh, and, and, and then I slap my name on it. Yeah, listen, it was it was fun. It was a, it was a neat idea. It's uh, again, it's a great premise for for something because I think a lot of people thought that Ron Francis outthought himself, right? In in, in the in the draft in twenty twenty one, that he just you know just for whatever reason didn't ice the type of team that probably could have been iced, and you know Tarasenko was passed over, and some you know some other you know a Carey mm-hmm. and look. Let's talk about Kerry Price. I I legitimately thought about taking Kerry Price early in the draft, and I thought, you know what, I just don't know about where he's at with his with his game. And I thought, you know, what? I'm going to leave Kerry Price off, and I'm going to go with Darcy Kemper and Jonathan Quick. I'm, I'm going to be happy with that. And then Granger comes in from the top ropes at the end. He's like, I'm taking Kerry yep. Price, which we said is the most Vegas pick of all time. I, it's I funny was so excited when he I had that. No, when, when right. he started teasing it, when he started saying, how much cap room do I have left? And then, you know, <laughs> he's like, I, I got an idea. Yeah. This is, a, you know, I, I got a Vegas iPad. I was just like tingling with excitement that he was going to drop Carey Price and he came through. It's funny because Ian was planning on Carey Price. I clearly had no plans of drafting him because I had Fleury and Jack Campbell. I mean, I had two NHL goalies and I'm sitting there and you're, I'm, you're like, you're barely over the cap floor. It's like, well, that can't be. Um, this is Vegas, as you guys said. <laughs> not, yeah. not only do they make big moves, but they're nowhere near the cap floor. So I just felt like at that, like I would not have taken Price earlier um, because I was worried about the cap space. I, I knew that we were drafting a bunch of players. I'll be honest with you. One of the things that surprised me the most is looking back at the 2017 guys and seeing what their cap hits were then. Um, yes. I Early on, I was very afraid of going over because I was like, okay, we have hindsight. We're not going to draft bad players. We're going to, we're not going to have a bunch of bad contracts, but I feel like we're going to draft so many stars because we have that hindsight of knowing how good they are. The salary cap is going to be insane to manage. And I was kind of worried about that early. And then as it went on, that was kind of the thing that surprised me is like, oh, wow, yep. you're get, you, 
Ian got Marshall so at 900,000. I'm getting Carlson at a million. And, and it was just, there was so much cap space. I couldn't help myself. I had to go after Carey Price. Yeah, yeah you, like, you guys both finished with lots of room. I mean, nobody, the, the, the cap did not end up being a factor as far as anybody being up against it at the end. And, and I, part of it was just there are so many guys that you look back. And again, this is full benefit of hindsight. But you could grab guys at under a million dollars. Um, you know, the, the so you, you both have, you know, five, six, eight guys that are, uh, you know, making close to the league minimum. That gives you all sorts of room to work with the big contracts. Yeah. Like, I, like I took Matt Duchesne with my first pick and I knew that taking Duchesne is going to, people are going to be like, what are you doing? But, you know, guys off a 43 goal season, right? Like there's not that mm-hmm. many guys available that had 40 goals. I'm taking him. And a little later I'm going through the draft. I'm like, ah, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take Jeff Skinner. Guy can still score, you know, and, and then I'm and I'm like, yeah, I, I probably have room for James Van Riemsdyk. And then, and then <laughs> yeah. like, I'm just adding all these guys. You, you were trying know? to get Ryan Johansson at the end, but I, the, I did. Uh, the I thought predators I, I, were off the board by that point. Yeah. And, 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 and then Sean's like, yeah, by the way, you guys are, you're having a hard time getting to the floor. I'm like the floor. Like, how is that possible? Like, yep. uh, there's so many bargains out there. Yes. And um, so, yeah, let's, let's get into, have you guys gone into the comments? Cause we're, this has only been up for about an hour as we're recording this, but uh, we asked people in the comments to weigh in, you know, who's, which, which of these teams wins a seven game series. Have you guys been checking that out? For, yeah, fortunately I mean, for me, I have. It's all Granger. It's all Granger. <laughs> It is pretty one-sided right now. I don't. That is uh, a little bit surprising, but what, oh, what do listen, you think, I got, Sean? I, I'm 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 uh, I'm going to Andrew D in the comment section. He says I'm the right. outlier here. I think Seattle's second to fourth lines are better. The defense is better. Goalies are close enough. They should win easily. Vegas might have three great goalies. You can only play one at a time. Give me Seattle in five. There in five. Wow. See, yeah. I I will. Ge- go there the defense ian kicked my butt on defense and and it was because every single time i had a defenseman i was going to take ian took him matt dumba alexiak larson it was like it seemed like every time i wanted to go defense he would take that guy and then i'd look and i had a little like list that i just wrote down before and i'm like well the next seven guys on my list are forward i'm not going to skip over seven better players to take a defenseman so i ended up with a weak defense i will say ian his defensive court looks a lot better than mine does but i i think the forwards are are pretty heavily in my favor and can yeah, i ask the, a question i think that's fair yep we we have one somebody in the comment section you guys tell me if i'm wrong here um hey guys enjoyed this but some of these def- you guys taking some of these defensemen over mckenzie Weger. Mm-hmm. Those are certainly some choices. I don't. Mackenzie Weger was never available, was he? Yes, oh, he was. Man. 2017. He's on the what? 2017 list. Oh my gosh! That's, okay, well, and that, that's that was that was and I scouting for me because oh my well, gosh! But here's the I, thing: I never like, saw for, him. for people for people to understand this, oh. like we're, we're we we dug up the eligible player lists um, from 2017 2021, and both guys could look at them. But I mean, it's it's just a list from 2017. So you got to go through all of these. Yes. You know, all of these different lists and, you know, figure what what of these names are. And there's hundreds and hundreds of eligible players. Uh, so I'm not surprised that maybe a few guys got missed. And, and the other thing is, you know, that's the Florida Panthers. So you take March or so and then you've you've only got we we, we made a limit. You can only lose each team. Right. can only lose two players. Right. It was March. So and Riley Smith. Yeah, just like two it was studs. In, uh, and the, the other name that you guys didn't take 
from that Florida Panthers 2017 team, you could have had Yarmer Yager. He was a free agent. He was <laughs> yeah. technically available. Um, I mean, that one, I will tell you, man, I'm, I'm going to give both of you a little hint for future on this. Anything that is voted on by the public, you always got to find that one guy that everybody loves. And you just throw, you throw Yager on your fourth line and you got guaranteed. <laughs> you like, that'll, that'll sway the drop about 30% opinion. of the vote. I, I do. I feel like the consensus right now is being captured by commenter Craig N., who says Jesse wins over Ian, but Ian easily wins over 2021 Ron Francis. I there we Ron go. Francis is catching some strays in the comments yeah, here. Geez. Like he is getting hammered here. And and look, like th- this is this is part of the, the the fun of all this, but I you know the the history here is 2017, Vegas does their non-draft draft. And a lot of us look at that team and go, that's not very good. This team's gonna stink. And then they're great. They go to the Stanley Cup final and we all go, ooh, okay. We we all whiffed on that one. And then the Seattle draft comes along and they pick their players and we all go, oof, that doesn't look great. But we all got burned in four years ago by Vegas. So we're not falling for that again. Oh, yeah, yep. this this will be a playoff team. This is a 95-point team. And then they stunk, and we're all kind of looking at it going, yeah, they they did look like they stunk. And uh it, like I, I feel like even just looking back, I mean, 2017, it's so much, it's so long ago. There's so much easy hindsight that, you know, we had fun with it, but I don't think anyone is actually pointing at uh, some of those players saying Vegas should have taken those guys. He had no way of knowing. Right. Um, but 2021, even a year ago, you're looking at the team that could have been built here and you're looking at what Seattle wound up with. And, ugh, man, <laughs> especially with no trades, no draft picks that they added, nothing. Like, are we getting close to the point where we can say Seattle screwed up the their expansion list? I said it the day it came out, and it wasn't because of the players. And I wrote this. It's not because of the players on the roster, because, again, we didn't know how it was going to turn out. And, again, I was kind of same way, like, let's not crush this. And then they go to the Stanley Cup final, and we all look like idiots again. But I said it was a f- they messed up because they came away with no assets. To me, Vegas, even if they had sucked, they still came out with like three extra first round picks, three extra second yep. round picks. They were loaded from a now they've used all those in five years. But it's to me, Seattle, if you like they didn't need to build a good team. But if you weren't going to build, if you weren't going to take the Tarasenko's and all those guys, you had to come out with assets. The fact that they came out with none, I was ready to say they screwed it up the day it happened. Yep, that's that's fair. And I would love to know. What went on behind the scenes? Because Vegas gave them the blueprint. And I know everyone said, well, you know, the other teams aren't going to fall for it twice. And uh, I don't doubt that Ron Francis had a harder job uh, after Vegas made everyone look like, uh, look foolish. But the fact that they made, I mean, I think they made one trade, right? Like one minor deal. Uh, Boy, that's, uh, and and we we heard, what, you know, what did we hear at the time? Yeah, yeah, but the cap space. They're going to weaponize this cap space. And we're it's a year and a half later. We're still waiting for them to weaponize this this precious cap space. Yeah, and and like if I'm not mistaken, so today today the 21st of July. This is the 1 year anniversary of the draft, is that right? Of Seattle's draft. I think draft? so. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe yeah, it yeah. And it's it's crazy to think that a year ago at this time, you know, the the Carey Price storyline was great. One thing I I realized, and I don't think we talked about this enough last year, like Alex Ovechkin was not protected by the Capitals on mm-hmm. their uh, expansion list. Like, in right. theory, 
Seattle could have claimed uh, Alex Ovechkin. Now, Ovechkin was a free agent, right? And free agency was going to yes. open the next week. This is exactly it. It was the, it's the kind, free it's agents, kind of weird, they would have right? claimed his rights. Yeah. yeah, but it's kind of weird that like Seattle could have claimed Alex Ovechkin and just had him for a week. Do you think they would have forced it? They claimed that, hey, you got to fly out here, come throw yeah. some fish sell some jerseys. market. Sell just some sell, jerseys. And then like, yeah, you go maybe. back and sign. Yeah. That's that's possible. But now, okay, now who, so who did, the, who did they take from Washington? Now I got it. They, that, that was the, uh, didn't they take the goalie and then trade the goalie back? They 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 did. Yeah, they, they, that, yeah. that's what they should have done with Ovechkin. Might as well. Might as well have done Ovechkin. Maybe they should have done that. Yeah, we did have to make that. That was the one outlier Caveat. rule yeah. that we made. Was we said we no taking Ovechkin because I mean there was just no chance that he was going to sign with Seattle. But same uh, with Landeskog. Landis, well, I think Landeskog we at least you know left him eligible because didn't we take? Uh, we also did a year ago. We did the big uh, mock draft with all the athletic writers. And I feel like we took Landeskog in that one and, and tried to sign him uh, for Seattle. So he was a, a, available to you guys in theory, but uh, I think you both figured. Oh, you, I need, you I, I want to read names. You I, just had too much talent. I, front. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Couldn't fit him in. I, I will say the <laughs> hardest thing for me was the two players per team rule, because especially as it got deeper and like that Mackenzie Weger, someone pointing that out is a good way of like mm. showing it, I guess. Like, I don't know. There were so many good players that we couldn't take because there were two guys already taken. Um, that Florida team's an example for me, like Washington. Um, I had Chandler Stevenson and Nate Schmidt, but like TJ Oshie was still on that team. That would have been a great defenseman. Yep. I was going to take you, uh, Ian, you mentioned, or sorry, Sean, you mentioned like taking a, a, a like quirky guy towards the end to by you, Spice I was taking. Yeah. I was yeah. going to take Justin Williams, one hundred percent. Okay. So yeah. that when that joke at the end, when you said who would win in a game seven game yes. series, it's like, all right, I got Perfect. all I got to do is get you to seven. game seven. Yeah. But I couldn't because once we got to the end, I'm like, ah, well, that's ruined because I've already taken them. Um, that Islanders 2017, their list. I mean, they had Josh Bailey, Cal Clutterbuck, Brock Nelson, Ryan Strom, and Calvin DeHaan were all. Um, draftable. I guess Cal Clutterbuck's a little stretch, but the other three, uh, four, it was to me, I I had this like list. And then as it gone, as the draft went on, I'm like, oh man, this is way harder because these teams are already eliminated. I have to pick someone off a team that hasn't had two players. The the tough one, the the one that uh, was the big one for me was St. Louis because you guys took uh, Tarasenko early. I think Jesse, you took, you took him and then you took David Perron. Yeah, back to back uh, from from 2017, which two great picks, impossible to argue with. But that takes St. Louis right off the board. Uh, and the name, the really interesting name with with St. Louis in 2017, you could have had a their fifth string goalie, a kid by the name of Jordan Binnington. And again, full benefit of hindsight, uh, that's a very interesting name. Nobody in a million years thinks Vegas was going to take Jordan Binnington in 2017, right. but he would have been there. Um, and and yet, you know. <laughs> and again, Ron Francis takes the negotiation rights to Vince Dunn over Vladimir Tarasenko. Or, or you could have had the, uh, Ville Husso, right? Uh, last last year. Um, uh, I imagine you probably could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, yeah uh, he was absolutely yeah, like on there the, were a uh, lot of guys. Yeah, that uh, that yeah, absolutely could have had. So, um, yeah, it it was it was really a fun uh, you know uh, a, a fun uh, fun one to go through. And just sort of figure out like where where actually is the value here, um, and uh, and how many teams dodge bullets of saying you know hey we we had this guy exposed and somebody could have taken him. I mean the the ultimate one always is you go back to the 
it, it was the which one was it, Ian? Was it the Tampa Ottawa draft or the Florida uh, Anaheim Anaheim where Dominic Hassett was left exposed? I think Flo- I think um, Florida was it not Florida? It was ninety three. You know what? It was ninety three because it was the Sabers. They had just traded yeah, yeah. for Grant Fear, and so they protected Grant Fear. And they exposed Dominic Hasek, who was their their like weird, gangly old backup. Uh, and uh, either either Florida or uh, Anaheim could have started their franchise with Dominic Hasek, and he and he literally wins the Vezina the very next year. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No. It's again the benefit of hindsight is uh, is great. Hey, let's. We're just, all so was- smart as long as we can do yes. it with hindsight. As long as there we just give me a few years. And I'll give you the right, right answer on most well, of this stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, at one point, Ian's like, Jesse, are you going to draft anyone that wasn't taken in 2017? I'm like, man, I have like, I don't know. I, I honestly, I was surprised yeah. with how many 2021s I ended up with on my team because going in, I'm like, you give me five years. I know what I'm getting at the next five years. That's who I want. Like, I, yeah. I know the, I want the guys I know are going to be great. Yep. Oh, exactly. No, listen, it, it was a ton of fun. And uh, invite our listeners to, you know, head over to the comment section of The Athletic. Let us know who you think uh, put our rosters up. Uh, head to head, let us know who you think would win in a in a seven game series. Granger certainly has the uh, the public's uh, you know support here early. But so day, far, the day is, I don't know, man. Get the in day there. is young. The day is young. This is your this is your chance to lobby a little bit here and uh, have people <laughs> go. weigh in. As long as I'm viewed more favorably than Ron Francis at the expansion draft, I'll take that as a win. That's, I think uh, you're yeah, safe. I'm looking at, hey, Jesse, listen, this was a ton of fun. It was fun uh, collabing on that uh, piece as well. Have a great week, and uh, we'd love to hit you up again next uh, next Thursday. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, that was a lot of fun with Jesse Granger. Let's uh, move along and open up the mailbag. Uh, Always a popular uh, segment with us here. You can always reach us at The Athletic hockey show at gmail.com if you want to get us uh, on email or leave a voicemail at 845-445-8459 let's open up the uh, the email bag here uh Souza has a question for us uh, and says hey uh we all love a good brother or father-son storyline or family playing together in line etc etc every duo i can think of though seems to be a pair of skaters so i want to know how many goalie slash skater brother combos or father-son duos have there been and maybe there's a great story of a defenseman backing up his brother to make a big save or an overtime goal scored by a brother on his sibling uh, or maybe even even rarer two siblings playing against each other in the same game what can you do as it comes to uh, skater goalie family relations guys what do you got that comes in from Sousa yeah and it was a uh it's it's a tough one because you're right. You don't typically see, uh, and and I remember looking at this a while ago because I had an assumption, I had a theory, a hypothesis, if you will, that when you find brothers and one of them is a goalie, that it's going to be the young one, right? Like, doesn't that just feel like you know you slap the the younger brother you want to play? Absolutely. Yeah, you're going to put the pads on. We're going to whale side. And I actually was surprised it didn't turn out that way. It turned out uh, it, it, I, I I was really stunned at that, but. Um, I, the, the most famous pair of brother goaltenders is, is the Dryden brothers, Ken Dryden and his brother, Dave, uh, were both goaltenders and they faced each other a few times in the seventies. That was the, probably the, the biggest, um, as far as, uh, one, one guy being a goalie and one not the, there was Ryan Miller and his brother drew, uh, Henrik Lundqvist famously has a twin brother who was uh, a forward and was drafted and and i think played in the league but uh may not yeah yeah joel, joel i was joel really, Lundquist played with uh, dallas right yeah i i was really disappointed i missed when i was originally sending you some names i missed the most obvious one which i think is the esposito brothers phil and tony yeah um there's your uh uh and then from there uh you you know you had a few others where uh, guys had brothers who, who played and then the, the the other one would be the hextels where ron hextel's father and uh uncle and I think grandfather all played in the NHL as, as skaters. Yep. And then Ron Hextel comes along. And the other one that's, that's funny is uh, Bobby Hall's grandson, Brett Hall's son became a goalie and, and never made it in the NHL. And, and I remember seeing a tweet once from him where somebody was like, how come you never made it in the NHL? And he was like, because my, my dad and my granddad scored like 1500 combined goals. And I was dumb enough to become a goaltender. So I, I thought that was that's quite great funny too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of the other, you know, skater brother combos. I looked this up. So PK Subban and his brother, Malcolm, right? Obviously yep. they're, they're mm-hmm. kind of current. And Jordan um, is, uh, 
Oh the, yeah, Jordan uh, Subban, yeah. defenseman, right? So that's yeah, uh, they, they, yep. they got a defense pair. They had it covered. Uh, Marty Biron's brother Matthew Biron played. Uh, even scored a goal against him. Matthew Biron, I think, when he was playing with the Islanders, scored against uh, Marty when he was with the Sabers. I had no mm-hmm. idea about this. Do you did you know that Tuka Rask had a brother? Uh, Jonas, who played two games that, in the NHL? That sounds familiar, but uh, that's uh, – I, I certainly didn't come up with it off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, no, okay. Uh, Billy Smith, uh, four-time Stanley Cup winning goalie for the Islanders, had a brother named Gord Smith who played – That sounds uh, Yeah, uh, Gord that Smith. That sounds fake. Yeah. A Canadian that's every player. hockey oh, name yeah. ever. Yeah, Gord Smith. Yeah. Went to brother, high school with he had a brother Smith. named Gord, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Here's a weird fact about Billy Smith and his brother Gord that I just stumbled upon when I was looking up this question, okay? Or looking for the answer here. Billy Smith and Gord Smith were, and I believe this was in back-to-back years, were drafted. And they were both drafted in the fifth round, and they were both drafted 59th overall. Doesn't that seem weird? Like, Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Like, your both brothers are drafted 59th overall. Like, I can understand, hey, both brothers went third overall, fourth overall. Mm-hmm. To have two brothers both go 59th overall seems rather weird. They random. did the, the Shen, uh, Shen brother uh, trick there. But, yeah, 50, uh, that's pretty cool. And yeah. Billy Smith, obviously, famously drafted by the LA Kings and played five games for them and then went on to the Islanders. My question is, how many times did Billy Smith, like, hack Gord's ankles? Uh like that. Imagine playing, playing in the defense driveway? in front. Of, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. driveway or in the NHL or even just like at the Thanksgiving table. Like I don't just a little quick butt end to the eye. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I looked this up too. Mark LaForest, uh, who played in the '80s and early '90s, he had a brother named Love Bob. Mark LaForest. Bob LaForest, who played five games <sighs> in the NHL. See, I went really deep on this. I'm like, I yeah, you went, man, you went hard. Okay, but when my Mark fav- LaForest is the famous yeah. one. Wow. Yeah, that's right. that's right. Um, and then the the earliest instance I could ever find where siblings played and one of them was a goalie takes us back to our, our pal that we've brought up on the podcast before, Tiny Thompson. Uh, mm-hmm. First time in NHL history where there was an incident or a, a, a case where a brother scored a goal against his sibling was Paul Thompson scoring on his brother Tiny in December of 1937. And so we haven't gotten to the genesis, have we, of Tiny Thompson's nickname? Or is it or was it because he... Had a yeah, we did. We, we, we covered. Is that what it no, was? No, no. It was no. It was because he was. It was ironic because he was <laughs> five foot ten, and that was <laughs> so big, big for a goaltender. Yeah. yeah, he was such a big guy back in the twenties and thirties that they called him Tiny, uh, as uh, you know, as an ironic nickname. And yeah, uh, whereas now five ten, geez, you you yeah. really would be tiny in today's NHL. I would love to go back. Like, as, as speaking as a proud member of the five foot nine club. Like, I'd love to just travel back in time, you know, and just have people be like, man, this guy's five foot nine. Just be dunking on people. Look at this. Look at like, this giant. He's, wow. Yeah. Can you help us get this off the top shelf, sir? <laughs> That's right. Five foot nine. Uh, we've got another email here from Sean who writes in. And, and this maybe this kind of goes back to a little bit of what we were talking about with American players playing in Canada and Goudreau and Kachuk and all that. Uh, Sean wants to know, why is it that everybody talks about the benefit players get when they sign with a team in a tax-free state like a Florida or whatever. Nobody seems to talk about the flip side of this, of signing with a Canadian team, but you're getting paid in U.S. dollars mm-hmm. while living in Canada. That comes in from Sean. Yep. And it's a great point. And it is, uh, you know, people who follow me know that it's very easy to set me off on a rant by 
talking about taxes and, and yeah. you know, the fact that we have, uh, you know, look, it, are, are tax rates a factor? Sure, they, they can be. But at some point, we went from never talking about it to acting like this is the only reason that anyone signs anywhere. And every time somebody signs with like a Florida team or something, it's like, oh, yes, that's the taxes right there. And it's 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 such an overstated factor at this point, partly because, as Sean points out, there's a whole bunch of other if we're going to get into it. What? Yeah. What about the fact that you're getting paid in U.S. dollars, but your expenses are in Canadian? What about the fact that you have you much greater endorsement opportunities in different markets than you would in others or after your career. I mean, you play for the Maple Leafs, you play one season for the Maple Leafs, score one memorable goal, and you're making $20,000 a night on the banquet circuit for the rest of your life. Uh, You know, like there's all sorts of things. And and look, I mean, taxes matter, but it's when people get into, you know, we need to adjust the salary cap so that teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs have more room than the Lightning. No, we don't. Because there's a million factors that go into how much actual money goes into someone's pocket. Uh, and taxes is just one of them. And yeah, the, the, the fact that uh, your expenses and, and look, I mean, do we factor in the fact that it's, it's much cheaper to buy a home in Ottawa than it is in Toronto or Vancouver? Do we factor that into the salary cap somehow? Or do we just go, you know what, a lot of this comes out of the wash? Uh, Charles has a question for us here. And uh, I know you like some good Offer sheet talk. Charles is like, hey, with the rumors that Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out of Winnipeg and maybe wants to play for Montreal, uh, do you see the Habs and Ken Hughes potentially offer sheeting him for two years? That would take him to unrestricted free agency. You give him a low dollar amount so you don't lose your first round pick, and then you'd be free to extend him after that. Do you, do you think that there's a, a threat of an offer sheet on PLD? I, I think at this point, the... It it seems like there is so much smoke here that he wants to play for Montreal. I almost wonder if if we're past the offer sheet and that these two teams are just going to work out a trade. Um, where you know why why even bother with an offer sheet uh, if if you know the guy wants if this is where he's going to wind up. There's sort of if anything the debate almost in Montreal is if you want this guy, do you trade for him now or do you just wait two years? And say, we're going to get him in two years because he's going to, you know, it sounds like Dubois is, is willing to follow kind of the Matthew Kachuk blueprint of manipulating his his signing time to get himself right up to free agency. And then he and then he has he has the freedom to go where he wants. And if where he wants is to go to Montreal, then, you know, if I'm Kent Hughes, I'm not necessarily giving up a ton of picks on an offer sheet or even a trade right now to get a guy um, that I can have for free in a couple of years. So I, I think this is. Probably going to end up in a trade, um, but not I, I, not necessarily an offer sheet. Because as soon as you go to an offer sheet, then that gives some power to Winnipeg, right? Winnipeg can say, okay, we match. We've got the guy for two years now. And, uh, you know, he's he's got no choice but to play here. And then who knows? Maybe in two years, his, his outlook is different. Okay, Jeff has a question for us. And we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, in response to Ian and Sean asking last week about the most surprising free agent signings, I'll take you guys back to July 1st, 2007. Uh, maybe not as shocking as Johnny Gaudreau to Columbus, but those Rangers and Glenn Sather signing Chris Drury, Scott Gomez, uh, two of the biggest names on the market day one and grabbing a couple of centermen. Uh, for me, they both got them on the same day. Gomez leaving to go to his arch rival after he won a couple of uh, cups. Uh, they were kind of in the prime of their careers. Drury coming off a career high in points. This, this all happened in the salary cap era. Where would you guys say 
that that ranked in the splash factor, what the Rangers did in 2007. Big splash. I don't know if I'd say a surprise because, again, it was the Rangers and, you know, this is back when this is what they did is went and signed big free agents. But uh, as far as the splash, yeah, I mean, to that was kind of the the early equivalent, I I guess, to the the Suter Parise day where it was, you know, like yours two of arguably the top free agents, maybe just the two top free agents, period, and they're both signing with the same team at the same time, which is, it's funny because even like now, that feels unimaginable just because what team would possibly have the cap space to sign two big free agents at the same time? It feels like everyone is so used to being right up against the cap at all times that it's it's hard to find that room. But uh, back then, it was a little bit more all over the map. Their, their contracts were much shorter, so teams were freeing up space, uh, churning through it. Uh, much more and you could see a team like the rangers suddenly step up and say we're not taking a big swing we're taking two at the same time okay one more let's sneak one more in here this is from uh daniel okay and daniel has a question about future considerations and he's like listen i want to know what future considerations could potentially mean you know players have been traded for cash other things it seems that common trade chips are draft picks. Pro- and look, uh, Pacioretty to Carolina would be a great example, right? Of, uh, or, yeah, Pacioretty to Carolina for futures, right? Like, what, mm-hmm. what, what does that entail? So Daniel wants to know, look, can teams provide sp- specific stipulations for draft picks? I mean, let's say Edmonton trades Connor McDavid, for example. Could they ask for a team that they would like the next time that they have a top three pick, that's when they want the draft pick rather than just a random year's number one pick. And look, I can think of reasons why teams wouldn't do that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to know what kind of limitations could there be on trades and futures? Are there things that teams cannot trade? For example, could a team include something ridiculous in a trade, i.e. a recipe for food they serve in their concession stands, or are there actually rules that govern the limits on trades, especially when we're talking futures, because that could just mean about anything. That comes in... Uh, from uh, from Daniel. Yeah. So so two questions here, and and I'm I'm fairly sure on these answers, although not completely sure, um, because unlike the NHL rulebook and even the the CBA, a lot of the these sort of other rules that float around are not necessarily uh, as easy to to find publicly. Um, is second question first: Are there limits to what you can trade? Yes. Uh, the, when you're making a trade, you know you can trade players and contracts and picks and and that sort of thing. But um, you, you can't get too creative. You can't be trading recipes and that sort of thing. And, and much like you can't be trading cash. Um, that's that's the big piece that was eliminated uh, because, you know, previously you could do that. Uh, a team like the Maple Leafs could just call up a smaller market and say, we'll give you 10 million bucks. We'll write you a check right now for this player. And the league, you know, decided they didn't, they didn't want that anymore. And, uh, Clearly, you can't trade cap space and uh, beyond retention and, and that sort of thing as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that most of those creative things that you're thinking of would be a no. Um, now, as far as being creative around draft picks and, and, you know, that scenario of we want your next top three pick, I believe you could do that uh, through the mechanism of conditional picks. There is my understanding is there are not really any significant limits on on what you can do with conditional picks and what those conditions are. Again, uh, they have to be based on where the pick is and, and, you know, or, or things like how much a player plays or his production, what have you, um, you know, it, it, it can't be based on, on the weather, or, you know, some, some weird thing like that. But yeah, you, you, I believe 
could say, you know, we we want your next first round pick that's in the top three, whenever that is. And I, that'd be a fascinating move to see a team make because, you know, some GM might say, oh, by the time my team's bad enough to have a top three pick, I'm not going to be the GM. I don't care. So I'm getting this guy for free pretty much. Make my team good right now. I think it would be fascinating to watch like some some team like hold another team's pick for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You're sitting there going, oh, yeah, I remember from that, uh, you know, the time they they picked up, uh, uh, you know, whoever this old timer was. And then it finally comes through and you finally get that pick. That'd be fascinating to me. Um, I believe they could do it. I don't think they ever would. That's not how GMs operate. But uh, I believe that the mechanism of conditional picks allows you to, to get pretty creative. Um, and then finally, to answer this first question, future considerations almost always means nothing these days. It's a polite yeah. way of saying somebody got traded for nothing. I, man, now I'm starting to think if you could trade for what, like one food recipe in the NHL, I don't even know what you're taking. Like, like you know, baseball stadiums are famous, right? For their, you know, mm-hmm. different culinary their items. Crickets, and yeah. Their, their crickets in Seattle. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think, what, like, is there like one signature dish in hockey even? Like you're See, like, oh, you got to go to. Okay, so you're, I guess is yeah, that- you're trying to sucker me in here. I know no, exactly not, what's happening. Not, you're trying not- to sucker me in to once again pointing out that the hot dogs in Montreal are overrated. That the the little steamies, the chanchos are not as good as uh, we've all been led to believe. It's just a hot dog with a piece of bread folded around it. You're trying to get me to say that. Now I have said it, and now I'm going to have all the Montreal fans in my mentions screaming at me all week. Thank you. There you go. But no, but it like okay. Outside of the, the uh, the the hot dogs in Montreal, is there one like is there another food like I know like in Carolina, I've had the um, uh, the bar. There's like a barbecue pulled pork, and it's really good. But like mm-hmm. I, I'm there's no hard, like I, hockey dishes. There are like no, there local right? dishes that are good. I'll tell you the greatest food I've ever had. If I'm man, if they put me on death row and I get one meal, I want to go back in time and I want. Maple Leaf Gardens nachos, which are not nachos. They are Maple Leaf Gardens nachos. They were, they would give you a cardboard container with some chips in it. They would pour molten hot fake cheese over them. Okay. And they they didn't give you a little bag that you had to like cut and like squeeze it yourself. Like they, with a ladle, would pour hot lava cheese, which would then immediately leak through the, the cardboard container onto your hand. Yeah. You, you on your own would have to go to this like communal area and scoop up the salsa and as many jalapenos as you wanted, dump them on. Somebody had spilled the beer in the in the salsa, so that gave it a you know, and you would go back and you had to eat them quick because like the that lava the cheese, cheese would con- was like would congeal. melting, congealing. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It was the best meal I've ever had. Like literally the great and you're sitting up in the grays at Maple Leaf Gardens watching the Leafs lose eight to one. Absolutely the best food I've ever had, and I would I would give I I give one of my children easily to have it one more time, and and maybe if you twist them arm, you might get both kids. But you could easily replicate this. This is no, you like, couldn't. You can't. It's, if you it, go to it, any movie theater, you can get the same. No, it's I, not. These days they give you this cold little cheese. Like it's you need a ladle. It's got to be boiling hot. Don Cherry has to be on in the background. Uh, there have to be people smoking right next to you yeah. for some reason. Like it's just Alan it's the Bester whole thing. needs to be in goal. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you, you got it. You got to be like wondering. You got to be able to hear John Brophy like, you know, breaking a stick over somebody's head in, from the dressing room. It's it's all it was. It, it had to be the perfect mix. You'd never recreate it today. Man. Yeah. Like those nachos, you're right, because the, you could get the nachos that they have. There's a little 
like almost like a little side part of it where they they put the cheese in there and then you have to dip. Those nachos are nachos. an abomination. They are an yeah. abomination when you give you the cold little cheese and I'm supposed to dip in. Get out of here with that. That's absolutely <laughs> don't even don't even put that in the same group of food as Maple Leaf Gardens nachos. There if I don't well, need a skin graft on my hand at the end of the meal, it's not a real it Maple wasn't Leaf yeah. nachos. <laughs> Listen, I'd love to hear from our listeners about like a potential signature dish that you've had at, a, at an NHL. Venue. I know there are some old school Leaf fans that will back me up on this. I want to hear from them. I'm trying to think like in Philadelphia, like, cause I've only been like, I usually just go to the press box. Like do they sell cheesesteaks? I'm sure they do. In the I'm concourse? Sure they and they're probably not good. And they probably cost $18. Yeah. Now I'm curious about that stuff. Anyway, listen, Love to hear from our listeners on that. Let's wrap up this show, shall we? Like we always do with a little This Week in Hockey History. I'm going to get two of them here real quick. We're talking about splashy surprise moves in the offseason. Take our listeners back to this week in 2006. July 18, 2006, Islanders goaltender Garth Snow announces his retirement. You're like, okay, that's not a huge deal. Garth Snow been in the mm-hmm. league about 10 years, whatever. By the way, he's the new general manager. Like, I don't, I, what's weird is I don't remember this being a summer announcement, but I guess it was July 18, 2006. Garth Snow retires, takes over as GM. This has to yep. be on the list of the most stunning, we were talking about stunning, splashy offseason moves. This has to be near the top, no? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and, and hadn't that been the same year? Like, hadn't they just, like, brought on, like, Neil Smith or something? Wasn't that, uh, and, and then he left right away. Uh, absolutely. I mean, th- this is one of those moments where you go, man, I wish we had Twitter back then. The, you know, that was kind of back before those days. But Did we have, was MySpace around in 2006? Yeah, right? I feel, yeah, like, we, probably. We should probably be able to search up some MySpace my, posts. I had, I had some, some spicy takes on my GeoCities page about this. Yeah, that's but right. Didn't, didn't quite draw the numbers that, yeah, this was absolutely stunning. And, and here's the crazy part. Gar Snow was a pretty good GM. Garth Snow did all right, like for a guy to come out of nowhere like that. And I mean, everybody just said this, you know, it was, this was the Islanders and their crazy owner picking up the one guy that they liked and being like, you're, you're in charge. Uh, and everybody was like, oh, classic Islanders, right? That we just finished the Millbury era. Oh, this will be a disaster. Garth Snow did a pretty good job with that team for a long time. Was Snow the one, who gave DiPietro the 15-year deal? Millbury or Snow? That, Why am I blanking on this? That it was might, Milbury, well, I mean, right? Di Pietro had been around for five. It, it you know what? That might have been, uh, but but I mean, that was the owner, right? Like that was a uh, yeah, that was that, that was that Wong was the and, Charles uh, Wang, yeah, Wang yeah. move where, um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, Di Pietro had been in the league for five or six years by then, but uh, yeah, no, I don't think that was a Garth Snow decision. But you know, he he made a lot of good moves, like you know for. For somebody, I, I'm not saying he was a great GM, but certainly as a, as a guy that that was, uh, you, we were all expecting disaster. You know, we're expecting him to just be, you know, Lucy at the chocolate factory, just running around uh, completely overwhelmed. No, he stepped in and did a pretty darn good job. <laughs> okay, one, one other one here. July 21st, 1996. Wayne Gretzky signs a free agent contract with the New York Rangers, three-year deal. Here's my question. I, I don't remember this, but, you know, July 1st was always the big free agency day. So you're telling me Wayne Gretzky was on the market for three weeks? Like, like 
we're, we're talking about, man, I can't believe Nassim Kadri hasn't signed and, and John Klingberg. Wayne Gretzky was on the market for three weeks? I have no recollection of this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't remember it being that long. But yeah, it's, I mean, it was Wayne Gretzky. And he, uh, remember, this is before the salary cap. So, you know, not, not a case where teams are using up cap space they have to set aside. And I think it was just a quick question of what was the best fit? What teams wanted him? Where did he want to go? Um, obviously, this is, you know, if you're a Leafs fan, you remember, this was the summer that Wayne Gretzky wanted to go play for the Maple Leafs. And he made that pretty clear to them, but they, the ownership group, this, you know, Steve Stavros and, you know, Knob Hill Farms and all of this stuff decided that they ran the numbers and decided it wasn't going to be profitable to bring in Wayne Gretzky. So uh, he ended up going to New York. I, I know there was, he was always linked with, with Vancouver to some extent. There was always, uh, um, you know, talk of him. Detroit had, had always been mentioned. Uh, there was, it was, this was one of those cases where it was like, Hey man, Wayne Gretzky, you take your time, you pick your destination. Um, and uh, ultimately he did. And he went to the Rangers and to go play with Mark Messier and they stayed together forever and ever after that, the end. Yeah, that's right. Nothing that's else. My little, that's my little, that's my little gift to Canucks fans. We're just going to say that they played out the remainder of their careers together and it, it all went great. You know, I'm now picturing Steve Stavro in the summer of 96, trying to see, like, will this work? Will this not work? And somebody brings him the nacho cheese budget from the Maple Leaf Garden. They're like, look, <laughs> look at this. We're ladling this thing out. We'll never be able to make it work. Just yeah, ladling out cheese here. Yeah. That's possible. Well, you know what? Honestly, if 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 that was my choice, was the, the nachos versus Wayne Gretzky playing for my Maple Leafs, I'll, I might take the nachos. I might have to do it. Not- my God, I'd love to hear from people that see if anybody else loves... That Somebody back me up on this. Some as much old as Sean, yeah, so good. Ken Reggett, thirty-three, right is gonna, yeah, now exactly. Yeah. We better cut you loose so you can go have ah uh, your nachos. Listen, this was a ton of fun. I want to thank everybody for joining us for this latest edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, email us any questions. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Uh, voicemail is 845-445-8459. Not at subscribing with us. You can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show. Get an annual subscription for a dollar a month for first six months. You can also subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus. Apple Podcasts get all of our bonus content from the entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that.